This is Taking Care in Business, a podcast that dives into the topic of corporate social responsibility from many different perspectives. Host Kathy Pedrotti Hayes is an expert in CSR and philanthropic giving, and her co-host, Vicki Bolson, is the founder and CEO of Bolson Group, a unified marketing company that was also the first B Corp certified company in Indiana. Kathy and Vicki became friends and equally passionate about CSR when they first worked together several years ago. Join them as they talk about why it is always worthwhile to take care in business. This season's podcast is brought to you by Sexton's Creek Productions, an independent design agency offering video production, audio production, web development, digital media design, and much more. They believe in pushing creative boundaries to achieve excellence and taking a unique, collaborative approach to every project. They believe brand equals reputation, and that businesses with the best brands are those who develop a bond of trust and shared values with their audience. It can be a real struggle for businesses to gain the trust of their audience when they can't represent themselves accurately or consistently. That's why Sexton's Creek Productions was created, to help businesses communicate in an authentic and consistent manner. Learn more about building trust with an audience by visiting sextonscreekproductions.com. Hey, Vicki. Hey there. Hey, I have a question for you. Yeah. Did you know that Forbes puts out a list every year of the most reputable American companies? Oh, yeah. I love that list. Okay. Do you know who's number one on it for 2019? Well, I don't. Um, I mean, it could be Amazon, which would be surprising given the current news. It is not Amazon. Ah. One more guess. It's not Wayfair, is it? No. <laughs> okay. But you you mentioned this earlier today, which is so funny. It's Netflix. Really? Yes. Isn't that funny? Oh. I know. So Netflix is number one, and then there are others that include the Hershey Company, Whirlpool, Rolex, McCormick and Company, like the Spice Company, and then Bass Pro Shop rounds out the top ten. Huh. Well, you know what stuck out with what you just said was um, Hershey's. I know. Hershey's. Her, the Hershey. Her, com- yeah. Hershey Company. Yeah. I think that our next guest, um, uh, there, they did um, some work with Hershey's. Because, they did. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Well, hello. Yeah. <laughs> He's chiming in already. I know. That's good. That's good. <laughs> you having a watch? You guys have a great chat. Right. That's good. Uh, and that was not planted. It I just really wasn't. Have, have guest Netflix to be at the top of the most reputable. Uh, I know. Isn't that list. crazy? That's a very interesting. It is. It is. It very is. interesting use of reputation. <laughs> well, so here, that's a great segue. So, ever wonder how a company can make the list? Lots of ways, but it starts with developing a culture of integrity. And well, our there you ne- go. That's right. Our next guest works with leaders to develop such cultures, um, as well as having studied corporate integrity. So Ron Carucci is a co-founder and managing partner at Navalent, where he works with CEOs and executives who are pursuing transformation, transformational uh, change for their organizations, leaders, and industries. He has a 30-year track record helping executives tackle challenges of strategy, organization, and leadership, from startups to Fortune 10s, nonprofits to heads of state, turnarounds to new markets and strategies, overhauling leadership and culture to uh, redesigning for growth. So he has experience in more than 25 countries on four continents. Holy Uh, smokes. Yeah. And he helps organizations articulate strategies that lead to accelerated growth. Um, He's a best-selling author of eight books, including the recent Amazon, 
number one, <laughs> rising to power. He's a regular contributor to Harvard Business Review. Um, and Navalin's work on leadership was named one of 2016's management ideas that mattered most. So he is also a regular contributor to Forbes and a two-time TEDx speaker. This is really cool, too. Ron is a proud to be a member of the Marshall Goldsmith MG100 Coaches community. And Marshall Goldsmith talked at the first WPO conference that I ever went to. And oh, I, he was work. so amazing. I literally, like, wept. Oh. I know. So, and that is a really cool program. So, um, anyway, Ron, Ron <laughs> I can't speak today. <laughs> Ron, welcome. I'm so excited. We're so excited to have you. I can't talk. So, hey, welcome. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. So, tell us about a culture of integrity. So, wouldn't it be nice if we could have more of them? Would be my first. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, we, um, about a year, two years ago, uh, well, actually about eight years ago, began our research and organizations, and we have a, a, a rich database of thousands of interviews we've conducted that we use all kinds of cool artificial intelligence. Our friends at IBM Watson help us to really mine these, uh, this sort of Rembrandt in the attic, this data that's just sitting there for great insights. And, uh, you know, so 10 years ago, you, you, you graciously mentioned the research that won an award at HBR for our, our research on leadership transitions. But a few years back, we went back to the database at 15 years to say, what could we learn about systems? What could we learn about, you know, if we're not going to isolate for individual behavior, but what about our collective choices? How do those matter, and what, could we, what insights could we gain from that? And indeed, and we decided not to tell the artificial intelligence what we were looking for. We decided, you know what, it's smart enough, it can tell us what we should be looking for. It can give us the hypothesis. And what began to emerge as we, you know, ran the data sets and, and sort of watched correlations begin to come up was this issue of honesty, this issue of what would predict in an organization whether or not somebody would lie or withhold the truth. Um, you know, for so many years we've talked about it's the culture, which, you know, is the catch-all bucket for a lot of things, or mm -hmm. it's a couple of bad actors, or it's an aggressive compensation system. And we, we pointed out these very isolated uh, levers in organizations that can sort of lead an organization astray or lead it down the path of making rogue choices. But I wasn't, I thought, gosh, I know systems well enough to know that it's more than that. We have to, there's more to it than just those things. So, um, and indeed, we learned that um, our research says that statistically there are four things, well, I'm sure there's more than this, but our research found four very commonplace conditions that organizations are, are, are actually manufacturing liars. They're actually creating the conditions under which people don't feel other, uh, any other option but to lie. So mm. uh, the great news is they can be, avert they can be averted. They can be changed. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have to sit and tolerate dishonesty. Um, the other really exciting part of it was, was it was correlated to purpose, right? So we all, everybody has heard the craze of everybody's hunger to find meaning at work, to find purpose at work. Sure. Well, if you're in an environment of duplicity where you really can't be yourself, where you're struggling to, if you can be authentic, then you can be certain you're not going to find a great sense of purpose in a place where you can't even be yourself. Okay, so I don't know if this is politically correct. I saw that on your website that you, like I said, I, I remembered Hershey's when Kathy said that they were number one. Um, you've also worked with Lambda Lakes and McDonald's, uh, McDonald's and gosh, there were some other really big ones, but so earlier when I kind of jokingly said Wayfair, mm -hmm. what do you have to say about how that all went down? About which one? Wayfair. Do you, do you, did you read about this in the news 
a few weeks I, I ago. I saw that they were in the headlines. Yes. Yeah, so basically, Wayfair um, was making, um, well, they were selling, distributing mattresses to the gover- government organization that's running the camps. And their workers went and told the CEO that they were uncomfortable with it and they were going to perform a walkout. And the CEO wrote a letter that became public saying that we're not going to, um, we're we're not going to stop selling to them. And so there was a huge walkout and it went viral on Twitter and on social media. I mean, the guy was being honest. I was so afraid you were going to say they were selling mattresses that had been used and refurbished and were full of bugs. Oh, gosh. No, 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 no. Because um, that's not the Wayfair I know. Shipping is free. Um, <laughs> you know, here's so let's, let's set politics aside, right? So, um, and this is a, it's such a controversial topic these days when you have, act, you have lots of activist CEOs. Mm-hmm. You know, and what is the, respon- what is the corporate responsibility of, a, of, a, of an enterprise to step into political situations and speak out on behalf of employees or against certain things? Right. Um, and, you know, that, the, 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 that's a tough one, right, because um, what, what are you standing for? What are you standing against, right? So, um, uh, you know, on one hand, what's happening in some of those um, detention camps is deplorable. Right, which regardless of what side of the camp of the aisle you sit on, on the other side you have families at the border pretending who rented or stolen kids to pretend to be families that aren't really families. Um, how do you protect those kids from the, the traffickers? So it's a complicated issue. Um, it, you know, Wayfair has a, has a has a fiduciary responsibility to its shareholders. Um, on one hand, the, you know, you could see the CEO saying, "Well, would you rather would you rather those kids sleep on the floor?" Right, so at least we can give a comfortable bed. Um, on the other hand, you could say, does selling them mattresses condone what they're doing? Mm-hmm. And when you're an executive team and you have highly competing constituents, which is true for any executive team, right? When you have the needs of a customer or a supplier or a shareholder group or your employees that feel like they're in direct opposition to one another, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, and you, and you, at that point, you hope you have a governing, you have a statement of identity, you have a set of values and principles that at least can act as some t- kind of plumb line mm-hmm. to your choice, mm-hmm. um, and uh, can at least guide the choices you make. And at least, and, and you hope that if you're an executive, you can stand up and stand behind that choice um, and and explain why it is. I think. I think today in a polarized world, people can live without getting their way, but they can't live with not knowing why you did it. Mm. And if you can't, if you can tell somebody, sorry, this decision didn't go the way you hoped it would go. Let me tell you why it went the way it did. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, people can hear that, I think. We've, I think it, it looks as though we've lost that ability, right? Our civil discourse has just gone the way of goodness knows where. Right. And it our can ability quickly to go out of hand. Intentions and disagreement, and I think our our, our culture now ha- has has developed this trigger happy instinct to refute, to reject, and convert. Right. Um, without without even so much as a question, or you know, if if I even so much sniff that you might be on the other side of some issue for me, you're now the enemy, and you either co- you, I either convert you or reject you as a human being. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just horrible that we've gotten there as a as a society. And, and mostly we get there uninformed, right? The, the reality is that we, we're, we're so often uninformed with a good fact base. Uh, so it's, it's unfortunate because, it, because if you think of 
of the issue of honesty and integrity, right? Where does honesty and integrity go if you can't have good discourse? Mm-hmm. Now we're making up facts. Now we're now we're embellishing points of view. Now I'm spinning data to, you know, we, we, have, we have all this fragmentation. And one of the things in our research was that if you have fragmentation in a community, if you have rivalry, if you have unresolved conflict, you are six times more likely to have people lie with all the truth because now we have dueling truths. And if we have dueling truths, you can be sure that the goal is now no longer to tell the truth, but to speak my truth uh, and, and make my truth prevail over yours. And so it's no longer and, – and we've had we, I have this horrible, horrible expression we have developed in this climate of speak your truth. And we've confused speaking your truth with speaking the truth mm-hmm. as if they were the same thing, and they're just not. And I think we've got to, we've got to reset ourselves. We've got to find a way to step back and recognize that uh, just because I have a strong opinion or strong feelings doesn't make them true. So what do you think is the most unique challenge that leaders face today? Do you think it's, it's in this realm, in the truth-telling realm? Well, I, th- I certainly think it's, it's trustworthiness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think today uh, what, what nobody is telling executives today is that you start distrusted. Right. It's no longer mm-hmm. the case where you, if you elevated to a, a position of leadership, um, then, then you're respected and regarded because you're in that position. And now it's if you get elevated to a position of leadership because you were, you're distrusted and, suspe- and suspected. I assume you're going to screw me or manipulate me or um, exploit me for your own gain. And you have to get to break even zero to earn my trust before we can get into the black. And so many leaders are, are painfully ill-prepared for what happens when you get to a higher altitude. This is, a, this is our 10-year study on leadership, right? They get up to this broader perch, and their life is now playing out on a jumbotron. Mm-hmm. They walk around it. I mean, executives don't understand that. You walk around with a megaphone strapped to your mouth 24-7. Everything you say and do is amplified, misinterpreted, concocted. It's on the jumbotron. Um, it's, the, data you, the data you now get is spun and sanitized. Um, and the people around you look at you as if you're an alien, right? People who used to be your direct reports are no longer in your loyalty camp anymore because they're gone. People who were your peers are now your direct reports. People who were your bosses are now your peers. And the political landscape is so different. And all these men and women are suffering from this deep imposter syndrome of, oh, my gosh, I don't know who I am. And they, and they, they have multiple versions of me. And so now I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to uh, sort of keep up a good front. And, and they're going – instead of being authentic and being themselves, they're hiding. Well, now you have a self-reinforcing mechanism, right? Because now I, I can tell you're hiding, so now I, I think you're hiding something. Um, and it just reinforces that distrust. And so now you have these vicious cycles of dueling identities between leaders and followers that lead to suspicion. And then once you have duplicity, once you have this sense of I say one thing but I do another, now you're condoning it. Right? right, so that's what we learned in our research. That when you lack strategic clarity, when you lack a sense of identity, and you and you put a mission or a vision of values on the wall, but you do something else, you've now condoned duplicity. So now employees think, well, I might as well get mine. Mm-hmm. And and the and the, you have these these downward spirals that are so painful. And so leaders, to to your question about what to to contend against that reality, to hold your own, to be vulnerable, to be imperfect, to inspire trust. In that context, that is no small task. Mm-hmm. So, how do you how do you coach people to do that, or coach CEOs? Um, well, you know, so I I start by getting a sense for how well they uh, how well do they do it now. 
um, you know, how, how, what is, what, what, what's the current reputation of capital I'm dealing with today? Um, and how, how early into the assignment are they and how well known are they? What are they doing to manage their message? What are they doing to manage the narrative about them? Um, h- how well can they accept the fact that they'll always be doing narratives? You don't get to control the, the narrative, um, you know, uh, that, that you wish was there. Just because it comes out of your mouth doesn't mean it's a story in their minds because now you're leading people who are far away from you. So I want to understand what I'm dealing with today but f- so that I can help shape a story, a narrative, and a message that, that is consistent with who this person is. Now, sometimes I find that leaders don't really know who they are. They really are deeply insecure. Our greatest, our great, one of the greatest findings in our first research was that with unleash of power, right? And we and we're all consumed with massive abuses of power all around us, and we assume that people with power will exploit it for self-interest, and they do. We we certainly saw that. But the greatest abuse of power wasn't for self-interest. The greatest abuse of power in our research, by a factor of you know two or three, was the abandonment of it. Mm-hmm. People too fearful, too anxious, too uncomfortable using the power that came with their role, and they set it down. And instead, parade favor, bought, bought, bought popularity, purchased loyalty with favors, uh, and were so committed to being liked um, and commit, that they couldn't make hard decisions. And so, you know, they were, they had their posse, but they couldn't get anything done. What a, that's a... And if, if as a leader, you're not comfortable disappointing people, um, that you shouldn't be leading. Mm-hmm. When I first started my company... I, I have to admit, it was. It's gotten easier over time to make the hard decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, it just you get more used to it. I. I mean, how do you, how do you coach people to overcome wanting to be liked? I mean, how? Because isn't that just something that's innate in somebody's? No, I don't think all people want to be liked. Well, I, mean, but, I think but the it, ones who it, really so do. You, can you do it you know? with, with being disliked? Can you deal with conflict? Can you deal with, do you have a set of convictions and a set of values and principles that allow you to make hard decisions that affect many people? You know, at, at higher perches, your decisions have far-reaching implications and far further than just the team in front of you. But if the people who have eyes on you are the ones you are using to gauge your own well-being, that's a, that's a dangerous game. And so leadership, the definition in my book of leadership is the ability to disappoint people at a rate they can absorb. <laughs> That's good, and, yeah. And you have to understand that your, your mission is now a greater good. It's not any one individual's agenda. Sometimes you make decisions to go a certain individual's way, and that's okay. And some days it goes your way and some days it doesn't. But if you have too great a need for admiration or popularity or to be liked, or you can't stand the feeling of estrangement, you can't stand the feeling of tensions with others, you can't stand the feelings of conflict when you have to... And, and, and most of those leaders are so afraid of being seen as a power monger, as being uh, you know, accused of being someone who's out for self-interest. They're so afraid of what people might think of them uh, that they do things that get them they have them, have them run headlong into the very thing they want to avoid, which is a reputation for being somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, if you cannot articulate to the people you lead um, uh, the, the way you're going to make decisions, the way you're going to arbitrate choices, the way you're going to handle dueling fact bases when databases come in and the facts say something different, um, what role you want to play in decisions, what role you want them to play in decisions, when you're going to make a, a unilateral call, when you're going to delegate. 
um, you know, what your value system is that would tell you on what side of a decision you might come down. If you can't articulate that to people so they can decode you, because that's what people want. They don't want things to always go their way. They want to be able to predict. They want to, at some point, decode you to know what's the lever levers she or he pulls to make hard choices, to, to, to navigate my future. Uh, my career is in your hands. If I can decode that, I'm a, I can be okay. I, I can, as a human, I can, I can be told, you know what, it's not always going to go your way. That's called real life. And I think leaders are just so afraid to have the courage to say, you know what, sometimes you're going to be disappointed. Sometimes you're not going to like the feedback I give you. Sometimes you're going to disagree with me. And sometimes I'm going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it's going to go. It's, it's called the beautiful mess of leading. Um, if we can get through that together, we're going to be fine. But if you have some other set of expectations about how life is going to go under my leadership, I'm probably the wrong boss for you. Mm-hmm. Is this what your TED Talks focus on as well, or are they a different topic? I forget. Um, they, so they sort of do. The one, one of them is directly on power, right? So one of them is very much in the, in the vein of how do we use our power for good instead of fearing it and putting it down. All of us, you know, it doesn't matter what role you're in, you know, you could be captain of your, you know, a little league coach in your, in your town, if you're leading a family, if you're a school teacher, all of us come with sources of power that we found in our research. So, so that, that's positional power, informational power, and relationship power, right? There's power in all those sources. And we can, if we can choose to use them for greater good, how much more powerful would we be? As a world, mm-hmm. I think if we uh, if we want a world where there are fewer Harvey Weinstein's, where there are people who are less inclined to abuse the power they have, the rest of us have to stop putting it down and, and be courageous enough to use the power we have. Mm-hmm. But right now, there's no disincentive for them to not do that. Right? There's nobody standing up to them. There's nobody pushing back. There's nobody modeling something else. So, and, and the, the, I mean, the great, the comforting news is there actually are far fewer of those bad apples than we think. They get all the headlines and the attention. But there's not as many of them as we want to believe. Mm-hmm. But there are far more cowards, right? So, um, um, you know, as w- one of my readers wrote, yep, I get, I get the two types of leaders here, cowards and blank holes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the, we think there's more of the latter. There's a lot of them, but there's more cowards, more spinelessness than there is, you know, morons or idiots. Um, but But it's the presence of the cowards that makes – the emergence of the idiots and the mean ones uh, possible. So, Ron, I, I know that people can um, listen uh, to your podcast, well, view your podcast. I mean, your, I'm so sorry, your TED Talks, um, the one on power. What's the other topic? What's on influence? So, you know, the great news was in that same body of research, for, the, for all the ones we found failing, we were able to isolate the dimensions of what were the ones that were sticking the landing doing, mm-hmm. right? What, what were the ones who were rising up and thriving, the good ones? How they do it? And so that TED Talk at Beacon Street was about what dimensions we found. Again, we all have influence available to us. What are the things we can do to have greater impact and be more influential? So they're sort of companion pieces. Okay, sure. great. Because I, I know I want everybody to know how to find those TED Talks. Um, they can just put in your name, which is C-A-R-U-C-C-I, last name. Um, But where else can the listeners find out about um, the work that you're doing? Yeah, so I'd love to have folks want to keep chatting or learn more. We've got to have a uh, at our website, Navalent, N-A-V-A-L-E-N-T dot com, we've got a, a, um, a, just a great body of r- rich content and resources. We've got great videos. We've got great um, articles and white papers. We've got a phenomenal magazine you can subscribe for for free. It comes out quarterly 
on you know how it is we think about leadership and teams and self development and self empowerment on a variety of topics. Um, we also have a free ebook. So if you have some dramatic transformational change in your future that you have to lead, we have a free ebook called Leading Transformation. Um, uh, so at navalent.com slash transformation, you can find that ebook as well. Oh, um, wow. Also, Good. you can find me on Twitter at, at Ron Carucci as well. So love Wonderful. to stay in touch and keep chatting. Wonderful. Well, Ron, you've given us so much to think about today. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for spending some time with us and, and with our listeners. What a joy. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. All right, you take take good care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us this season on Taking Care in Business. Let's give a big thank you to Matt Sosi, our sound engineer. Woo! We hope that you enjoyed this season's guests, and we'll be back for a winter season. So stay connected to us for updates on when that will start and for sneak peeks at some of our future guests. You can visit the Taking Care in Business website at takingcareinbusiness.com or visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at takingcareinbiz, B-I-Z. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at info at takingcareinbusiness.com. And Kathy, we definitely need to thank our season sponsor, Conscious Capitalism. Yes, thank you for your support.